Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Analyst Inside Cricket is brought to you by IG, official partners of England cricket and the place to go if you want to get on the front foot and manage your own investments. IG's platform allows you to invest in thousands of international shares and exchange-traded funds, as well as a number of fully managed, ready-made portfolios if you'd rather leave it to the experts. To find out more, go to ig.com investing remembering that the value of your investments may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you deposit. Jones! Barron! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Tuesday, the 13th of September. The Test Series is over. The summer's not over yet, of course. The Championship is still to be decided, both divisions, and plenty of interesting cricket to, to go. But we're going to look back on the Test Summer. Uh, Simon, you were away last week. You missed the Queen dying. A Test Match day totally washed out. Another day cancelled because of a day of mourning. And then, basically, the shortest Test Match ever that lasted just just over two days. So you've missed lots of entertainment and interesting uh, occurrences. What have England learnt in the end, do you think? I, I suppose the first thing is they've turned it round from one test match, one out of 17, to six, one out of seven. So pretty good. I got back last night from uh, being away the last uh, few days. I was out of the country and I was able to catch up on the whole test match pretty quickly. The one played at the Oval, watched the highlights. I mean, just about everything that happened in the test match was a highlight, wasn't it? You know, wickets falling, runs being scored, catches being dropped, decisions being overturned, all done in the blink of an eye, really. I mean, ultimately, I think this series is quite a disappointing one after the drama earlier in the summer. I, I think what England have learned this summer, I, mean, I think the principal thing that England have learned 
this summer is that Ben Stokes as captain is a, you know has been a real force for good. There was so much debate at the start of the summer. You know, you know Joe Root can't really stand down. You know, what, what who are the options? There's only really Ben Stokes, and there was a sense of that. There was a sort of feeling of reluctance about I, I think generally whether he was the right person uh, for the job. But I, I think he's shown all summer actually that it, you know, it's, it's it's really worked hasn't it and it's, it's been he's sort of provided a sort of galvanizing impact on the team you know he's, he's trying to sort of capture the public's imagination as well you know just little things like you know bbc tv highlights the audience ratings are up for that you know because you know words got round about this this way that england are playing and it's been exciting and it's drawn people in. Uh, Dean Elgar in his post-match press conference after the, the last test match saying, oh, well, you know, I don't think England really played particularly aggressively. They just played sort of normal test cricket, played the moment. But, I mean, they were still scoring at 4.34 runs and over uh, in their first innings, you know, which is you know, above what Australia were doing when they were that sort of champion side in the 1990s and early 2000s. Everyone's saying, you know, what, what an exciting brand of, of cricket they were playing then. Uh, I, I, the fascinating thing about this England side is that uh, they are flawed but exciting and, in, and interesting to watch, I think. And, th- and, and that's a huge step forward from the, the team that started the summer. They weren't particularly exciting to watch and they were hugely flawed. So you know, there's been a, quite a big step forward taken. Now, who knows where it's going to go in the future, though? You, you raise a, an interesting sort of philosophical point there, really, because... You know, looking at Stokes uh, coming into the press conference yesterday, he strode in quite confidently, as you would. You know, he's won six test matches out of seven, won the uh, the two series against New Zealand and, and South Africa and levelled the one against India. So he's feeling proud. He's feeling quite uh, positive and, and, you know, happy about what's happened. But he did, in a way, slightly challenge the media mm. in the way that they report the games and at times, we've all been a little bit, not critical, but at least cast aspersions on certain... Questioning, I think. Yeah, Questioning, certain shot-making yeah. and, you know, kind of slightly kamikaze batting at times. I mean, he was justifying the way England played at the Oval because he said, basically, there was a ball with your name on it and you wanted to get as many runs as possible before that ball cropped up. You know, there's another way of looking at it, which is that you could try and survive those balls and wait until the, the, the going gets a bit easier. But it was interesting, wasn't it, the way he... I mean, we can hear a little bit of, of, of that uh, press conference, actually, yeah. the way that he questioned uh, the, the, the way the game is reported in a slightly militant sort of way. Through all the, the positive stuff that we've managed to do this summer, um, I feel as if there's also a, another added responsibility on the people who... Um, comment on the way that we play as well because we're in the day and age now where social media is so accessible to people that if we're playing in a certain way and we're saying this is what we want to do and we believe in it to be almost to be criticized of that what time, type of messages is that sending to the next generation of people because I feel straight away there that you get a sort of grey mixed messages by, well, if I'm in the dressing room, I'm being told to do this, but then the people who are there to commentate and um, talk about the way, that's then getting criticised. So it sort of, it just leaves, it could leave people in a grey area. So I think as much a responsibility that we've got to go out there and do the way we want to perform, I feel as if that, if people are going to 
who write about the game or talk about the way in which we play, they should understand as well that they have got a huge influence on the next generation of cricketer as well because people do listen to what they say about the game, which sometimes contradicts what we're trying to say. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is what is said and what is spoken about in the dressing room. Who's he, who's he having a go at then, do you think? <laughs> well, I, I, don't want to, I, mean, I don't want to speculate on that, but you know, I, I think he's, he's obviously read things on social media. He's, he's probably read things in, on newspaper websites. He's probably listened to highlights programs or whatever, you know, BBC, Sky, and he would have picked up on that feeling out there that sometimes England are just a bit too aggressive and sort of fritter away an advantage. I think you know, there was probably a sort of feeling, wasn't there, after that first day or first day's play at the Oval that England had rather frittered away their advantage by, by bowling South Africa out for 118. They were 154 for seven at the close. And I think people think, well, you know, you get a 100-run lead there, just back, a bit more caution, a bit more sort of a test match head-on, if you like, and then you, you've closed South Africa out of the game. I, mean, I, I sense England probably felt confident enough, lead of you know, 40, 50, whatever, that they would win the game because their strong bowling attack in those conditions against that South African batting lineup, they they probably felt confident about winning the game from that position. Also, I think there was a you know there was a feeling, wasn't there? I mean, it's fascinating. Just little every now and again, Ben Stokes says something. You think, oh, that's interesting. We said before the the, the day's play, there's going to be a result one way or the other, which is like you know we're going to th- throw the kitchen sink at this game, and you know, we're obviously going to risk losing. And you know, it is it is a sort of slightly free shot in a way, a series against South Africa. They can't qualify for the World Test Championship final. It does make me wonder, it's intriguing, what, what will happen next summer, say in an Ashes Test match. Say you get to the, the final Test match of the summer next year and England are 2-1 up, yeah? You get to the final day and Australia have set them 400 to win. How do England play it on that final day? So they're 2-1 up. Australia got into a decent position in the game, and England need 400 to win on the final day. Say on, on you know, on a decent batting pitch, uh, the weather's fine. How do you think? It, how do you think England are going to play it? Are they going to go full bore, or are they going to bat, try to bat out for a draw? Well, I think I think you've got to be true to yourself, and and this is something that Stokes talks about a lot, actually. And in fact, in that uh, press conference, the last question was was posed by me, and I said, "What did you learn from the summer about yourself?" And he said, well, to be authentic and to to be honest and direct and genuine and true to yourself. And, and, and when you speak, really mean it. Uh, and uh, rather than sort of saying things which people might want to hear kind of thing. And I, I can sort of see why that works for him. And that, I think, applies to the way everybody plays. Zach Crawley, perhaps in that second test match, played a little bit within himself but in a way, you know, the way he played in this last test match in the second innings, hastening England's victory charge, that was being true to himself. And it's funny, isn't it? You, when, you, when he plays a big drive and nicks off and he's caught at slip, everyone moans and says, oh, God, that again. But yesterday he played some big drives and they whistled to the boundary. Actually, why those were successful shots was partly because, you know, perhaps being set a target and having the tempo almost enforced on you, or not enforced on you, but the targets enforced on you. And you know that the, the mantra of the team in this particular game is play positively because there is a, a ball with your name on it. That kind of emboldens him to play the, his natural game. But actually, it wasn't swinging as well. And uh, that's where he's flawed. 
he tries to play these big drives when the ball's swinging around corners at Lords, for instance, and that's a mistake. So that's where you have to be smart. So it, it, you know, to answer your question, it England set four hundred on the final day. It depends on the conditions. It depends how they how they go to start with you. I think you always set out to be positive, but you can be positive in the way of leaving the ball or positive in defence. I actually noticed a little bit with Crawley uh, this last Test match when he played when he defended. He just defended a bit later, a little bit later. The ball was just under his nose as he defended it, but he still defended it not firmly, but but in a in a strong way. So that he, he wasn't suddenly becoming all timid and playing everything late like French cricket or anything. He was just adjusting his method a tiny bit. So I think it's about balance and 400 to win on the final day of the Ashes. You're not going to go gung-ho, definitely not. But but you might get to T uh, at 240 for three or 250 for three and think, yeah, well, maybe we'll give it a go. And we can always shut up shop if it doesn't work. And it keeps people entertained. And I suppose oh, I... you know that goes back to this original point, really. Um, is it about winning or is it about entertainment? And it, cl- it clearly seems to be something within the England camp, you know, brought on by probably Stokes and McCullum and maybe Rob Key as well, that there's a responsibility to sell the game, uh, not just to the current fans, but to the new fans, potential new fans, to younger people, to get them engaged in test cricket because it is a fantastic sport. But if it looks boring and dull and uh, you know, kind of a bit tedious, then th- there's less chance of, of people watching it. Yeah. I mean, you could argue, though, that actually sometimes you know, boring bits make the, the exciting bits more special. Do you know, you know what I mean? If everything is, everything is yeah. just kitchen sink thrown at something, then it, it, it's just sort of, it's like test match T20. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I haven't sorted out my own mind yet what, you know, what I like. I have, what I have to say is I've hugely enjoyed the summer. It's been, you know, wonderful fun. Uh, but, you know, there, were, there have been moments this summer, like, for example, Ben Stokes himself at Old Trafford, where he, he dug in and worked really hard and, and, you know, didn't try and smash it, didn't try and larrup it everywhere and, and played actually a really high class test match in his. And he still scored quickly, especially from 50 to 100. So, you know, even he is, you know, he, they talk about this sort of ultra aggressive way, but even he is prepared to adapt and, and you know, show another side of his game. I, I, what I thought was interesting about those comments from Ben Stokes in the press conference yesterday, actually, when I heard them, I saw my ears pricked up. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I, you know, he, he's almost saying, "You've sort of, you, you guys, you need to be on message. Uh, this mm. is what we're trying to do. You need to sort of stop criticising us or questioning." I, I think that's, I think that's wrong because I think there is a, a room for, a, you know, lots of different opinions. I think you know, it, it's perfectly possible to question, say, actually, could you know. Could you have played that differently? I'm sure they do that themselves. So what I, what I don't want is this sort of homogenous way of you know, yeah, yeah, you've got to, everyone's got to think in a certain way. Everyone's got to be on message. I mean, you, you've got to remember. I mean, the media is not that they are not cheerleaders. Uh, I'm sure. I, I'm sure everyone who watched uh, the series 
enjoyed it and, and were beguiled by the way England played. And, you know, it's, it's, if it ha- happens next summer, we have a riveting and exciting actually summer, then people will, um, well, they, they probably will cut England some slack, actually, if the games are, you know, absolutely nail biters, full of excitement and uh, adrenaline. But I, I think there's still room for saying, actually, is that, you know, on that particular day, in that particular session, is that necessarily the right way to go? I, I, you know, it's, you, you can be on board, but still not, you know, not necessarily be a, a cheerleader. But so, so, you know, what what form of the game, what form of test cricket do you want? there to be do you want it to be t20 test cricket or do you want it to have some of those sort of traditional sort of aspects uh, to it i mean i must say i don't particularly want to i mean the last ashes series but one in australia where steve smith was grinding england down remorselessly i mean there was something there was something fascinating about it but it wasn't that exciting to watch really it was one side and brilliant brilliant from him fantastic uh, you know, great sort of feat of determination and skill. It wasn't that. It wasn't that exciting to watch. Um, whether if it, I don't know. You can ask if if it had been, I don't know, Dom Sibley doing that to Australia, then would you know everyone in England have, have enjoyed it and been beguiled by it and and relished it? I don't know. Well, answers on a postcard. I I, I want to see Kagizo Rabada against Johnny Bairstow single wicket competition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I just love. I think Rabada's a wonderful bowler. He's up there in the top five strike rates in cricket history in Test cricket, and I just love watching him bowl. He'll bowl you balls that you can hit, but he'll bowl you wicked wicket-taking deliveries as well. I mean, that happened yesterday in, in that short three-over spell. I mean, he whistled one past, uh, th- through between Crawley's bat and, and pads and through to the keeper. He nicked, uh, got a nick on Lees, which the keeper couldn't hold. He bowled a couple of half volleys, which were walloped to the boundary. He bowled a, a vicious bouncer, which the batsman ducked his head out of the way of. I mean, he's, he's sort of keeping the game going forwards, isn't he, in, in the way that he bowls. And I suppose that, that's got to be uh, the, the sort of philosophy of, of, of cricketers generally. That doesn't mean you have to try and whack everything. I mean, it can be that you can play in a, in a more resourceful way. And I think Ollie Pope, of the successes of this summer, if we look at the, the averages of the players uh, over the summer, you know, it tells a story, doesn't it? Uh, Ollie Pope, well, in the, in the series just gone, averaging 44.75 with a strike rate of 77 which is you know decent isn't it for mm. test cricket you'd average sort of 50 and 60 in test cricket generally strike rate wise an average of 44 with the bat folks second at 44 ben stokes third 37 and actually ben stokes averaging with the ball 15 in that series so very impressive uh, output from him bat and ball uh, Zach Crawley in the end in the series averaging 33 was obviously helped by a 69 not out and Alex Lee's down at 19 averaging 19 Joe Root averaging 11 extraordinary so uh, I think you made the point yesterday or the other day that um, England have, have won a series without Joe Root making any contribution mm-hmm. at all yeah which is in a way it's a bit of a plus for them isn't it to do that because he has been the, the, the sort of leader of the pack for such a long time and his runs have sort of held them all together. But he's had a very lean time of it against South Africa, did well earlier in the summer, barely averaging or you know, barely notching a run in this series. And yet England have still won the series. So, you know, positives from the summer. I think you know, Stokes is captaincy, definitely. Um, Pope at three has worked, or sort of largely worked. Um, it, it's it sort of changed the, 
Uh, there's a momentum at the at the top of the innings, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's not uh, a Jonathan Trott accumulator or Chris Tavare blocker. Uh, you know, he's more enterprising, uh, as I said, by his strike rate. But I think he's got a good method, and I think he respects good bowling and has good good judgment. He's he's certainly a, a, a better player than he was in the Ashes, where he was confused about his alignment and where to stand and all that. And he's he's worked out a method now. And I like the the busyness of him at the crease. I think it's it's good. It keeps again, it keeps the game moving. But he's a little bit more resourceful. And except yesterday, where he tried a, a sort of strange reverse lap off Marco Janssen to finish the game, which actually ended rather painfully. But I, I yeah, I I think he's been excellent personally. Yeah, and folks, sort of question marks over Ben Folks, weren't they coming out of the, the West Indies series where he didn't keep particularly well? He didn't score that many runs. He didn't keep particularly well. He dropped a catch in this game that you'd expect, uh, well, all keepers to catch, really. So it looked like a fairly straightforward nick behind, and the ball just does wobble in England, and it can, it can make a, a mug of a keeper. So Folks has had a, you know, a decent summer, sort of advanced his uh, case. Uh, so too uh, Pope. Top of the order, yeah, still still some flaws. Right. I think with, with Zach Crawley, I mean, he's an enjoyable player to watch, isn't he? When he's flowing, he's, he's such an enjoyable player to watch. The Australians were enjoying him, um, admittedly, because he wasn't doing them that much damage in the in the summer, last summer in, in, in Australia. They don't mind a player coming out and taking them on a bit as long as they don't do too much damage and do what Alistair Cook did uh, back uh, way back when, when he scored all those runs in the Ashes series and, and, and won the series. Alex Lees, well, you know, this this whole thing about, you know, it's tough at the top and it, it's, it's not easy to average 35, as an, let alone 40, as, as an opener in English conditions. There's so much there, it seems, uh, for the bowlers. And that was exemplified by the fact that no South African batter in this series averaged over 28. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it, really? And that's where and, they lost no the one, series, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally, yeah. Their, their batting was... You know, really let them down, and Mark Boucher has just come out and said that uh, today. You know, it's, you know, we were we were short. You know, technically, uh, is this the worst? I mean, I, I've heard that the question posed: Is this the worst uh, batting side to, to come to England and, and play Test cricket? I mean, Bangladesh were, have been found out a few times in England uh, mm. early on some of their earlier tours. I suppose definitely. you expect South Africa to be better, don't you? Bangladesh, yeah. because of their yeah. sort of fairly young Test match career uh, you know they only started playing test cricket 20 odd years ago they're they're still developing but South Africa have been a test nation since the 1912 I think in 1912 I think Sydney Barnes went to South Africa and took 40 the world record 49 wickets in four tests and they played on mainly on matting but you know they've had 100 years of, of test cricket so you'd hope that they would be but be better obviously they've had some injuries they've had also uh, the loss of a number of you know stellar names in the last couple of years as well retiring and that doesn't help yeah i i, I mean it's interesting isn't it because someone like ryan rickleton who played in this last test uh, coming at number four or five he, he averages 53 in first class cricket in south africa but there's a there's a debate about how good first class cricket is in south africa <laughs> it's the old story isn't it what your first class cricket produces isn't necessarily going to be reproduced in, in test cricket. England, incidentally, I mean, just looking at counties, and you talked about Alex Lees there, uh, averaging 23 in his 10 tests, and doesn't, to me, doesn't look as if he's improved. It doesn't look as if he's developing, really, still making same sort of mistakes. 
Uh, but in county cricket, there's, there's an absolute ton of runs being scored. Uh, if you look at the, the overall averages, um, Ben Compton of Kent, who's a bit of a sort of accumulator, he's a, he's a thousand runs, averaging 56. Keaton Jennings is an interesting one. A thousand runs, average 72. That's helped by 318 in one match, one innings, but you know, still brilliant performance by him over the, the summer and good player of spin. So I'm sure they'll be thinking about him as a potential for, for going to Pakistan. Harry Brook, 967 runs, average 107. <laughs> Amazing. And Sam Hayne, who I really like uh, from Warwickshire, 954 runs, average 73. So, you know, there's a lot of good runs being made in county cricket this year as a contrast to, to previous summers. How much is that, the, the dry summer, unusually dry summer, good batting conditions, and the Duke's ball as well, Yoz, which has been pretty unimpressive. Uh, this um, castigated, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think that you know there are there are there are always factors, aren't they? When they, you know, remember that early nineties when the, they got really hard. There was hardly a seam on the ball. People felt yes, that was a readers. Yeah. We used a readers for a, for a year, and there was scores of eight hundred and nine hundred. But it does show that if you produce good pitches, people do make runs, and that that's what you need. You need good pitches which produce decent scores. Batsmen getting confident. And bowlers having to work a bit harder for their wickets. And that way, ultimately, you should be able to win abroad, which is part of the, the high-performance review that Andrew Strauss and his team have produced. Can England win more test matches abroad? At the moment, if you look back at the last year and a half or so, they've only won one test match abroad out of, I think, ten. Is that right? Well, they won two in, they won two in Sri Lanka, didn't they? And then yeah. they won. They won the first. Beyond that, first one in then, first one in India, and then they lost the, the next three. Then Australia, they lost uh, four out of five and and drew one. And then they went to the West Indies and they lost uh, one nil. So that's uh, three, four, yeah, ten. So they won one of their last ten Test matches abroad. I, I go back to um, just on South Africa's batting. I go back to Neil Manthorpe's comment. <laughs> I saw him on the stairs at Lords. That South Africa have got a one sixty all out in them. Of course, they've actually actually had four one sixty all outs in them, didn't they? One fifty one, one seventy. I say you know one four one six is roughly one fifty one, one seventy nine, one eighteen, and one sixty nine. I mean those are four pretty ordinary batting efforts, which actually goes back to Lords. How important that opening stand was between Efia and Elgar at Lords. You know, I think England would have been really disappointed in that game that they got that South Africa managed to get three hundred and twenty six. I think they they that that was where perhaps they missed out on the chance of yeah, poss- poss- the possibility of making the series three nil or, or or beating South Africa three nil. That, that was a really solid South African uh, batting effort that. Uh, uh, you know, just about was able to resist them. Built on that first innings partnership, and if you if you can knock over the first two, it seemed you could really get into South Africa's batting. Just just on this the whole point about winning abroad. Yeah, I mean, people will say, well, hold on, uh, the county championship is fine. Every, everything's fine in the English game because England just won six out of seven Test matches at home. It is worth emphasising, as he did there, that that the, the Andrew Strauss review is about making England competitive all around the world. Something they haven't. They really been, uh, generally speaking, you know, series wins in Australia and India have been uh, very few, and 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 far between. They've had you know, had successes against some of the weaker teams, uh, Sri Lanka, uh, South Africa, who you know haven't been as strong of late. But they've you know they've struggled to win in, even in the West Indies, who are you know are not one of the the best Test teams. And what, and what of course is going to be fascinating 
is how England are going to get on in Pakistan in December. Uh, ben Stokes talking yesterday, so it's going to be you know, very different spin, uh, heat. Well, we don't think it's actually going to be that hot in, in Pakistan, do we, Oz, in, in December? In December. No. Um, no. no, that's right. I mean, it's cool. It's the winter. Uh, so actually, and, you know, if you go quite far north in the subcontinent, it does get very cool mm. in the evenings. So you need, you know, a, a, a coat or a waistcoat or a something waistcoat? like that. And, <laughs> you need, you need well, a waistcoat. I'd better those, take my waistcoat um, if I go to Pakistan. <laughs> I was thinking of those um, those cloaks that, that the that, that, that they're, they're sort of like wraps that people wear in the subcontinent in places like Delhi. If you travel around in the north of India in the winter, everyone's got those big blankets sort of shrouded in blankets and hovering over the sort of burning coals on railway stations and things like that. And all the rickshaw drivers uh, have all got, you know, loads of layers that they wear, uh, you know, puffer jackets and things like that. So it does get, you know, quite cool in, in the uh, the late evening and the light goes early as well, like at yeah. four o'clock, 4.30, it's dark. So you will get some shortened days. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the floodlights might make a bit of a difference, but we saw that at the Oval. That doesn't make, you know, doesn't always make a, a, a massive difference. And when the light goes, you know, it's not like in England where it can sort of go, cloud comes over the sun, then it, the cloud lifts and long evenings. It's not like that. You're right. Uh, that, I mean, they used to play five and a half hour days in, in test matches in Pakistan. So, you know, playing in December, there is the risk of, of, of shortened days. But we have just seen three matches finish with inside th three days of play in England, but very, very different conditions. So Ben Stokes was talking about it's going to spin, yeah, and, and and it's going to be hot. Actually, just on the, the heat side of it, they've quite sensibly, with the order of play, they've gone from north to south. So well, Ralpindi in the north, Multan more in the centre, Karachi in the south. That's very rough anyway in terms of Pakistan's uh, geography. So as the month goes on and you know, we go deeper into winter, then we're going further south. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to be, probably not going to be roasting hot. And people who've been there recently, you know, test cricket there, then the last England tour. So, you know, out in the, sh in the shade, it's actually quite cold. You know, you need to take jumpers and, and jackets. So, yeah, so I don't, I don't think it's going to be uh, a roasting hot. Spin might, yeah, will play more of a factor in, in Pakistan. And also just listening to Ben Stokes, the way he was talking yesterday, it doesn't sound as if England are going to, you know, sort of adapt their approach. Right? They'll adapt a bit, I'm sure they will. But it does look as if they're going to go, you know, full bore and try and take it on in, in Pakistan as well, which, which will be fascinating. Pitches tend to be sort of slower and a bit lower and sometimes quite hard to score. You know, generally sort of good, goodish batting pitches where you, you, you know, the, the normal template for playing in Pakistan is just to, you know, bat, dig in, bat long, bat for two days, score 500 and try and control the game, scoreboard pressure, that sort of thing. So um, <laughs> England are going to try and buck the trend and get a, you know get 400 by the close of the first day or just into the second day and really progress the game. It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see because Pakistan have got some quality and, you, and it's not just a bit of quality in their spin, they've also got quality in their, their seam bowling attack as well. Time for another shout out for our sponsor, IG. If you're investing for the future and want to put yourself in the best possible position to achieve the best possible outcomes, then you could do worse than considering investments from IG. 
Through IG's investing platform, you can pick from thousands of UK and international shares with low commissions and extended hours on dozens of major US stocks. You can also discover the potential of exchange-traded funds, or ETFs, which allow you to invest in the performances of a wide range of different sectors, regions, assets and themes, like clean energy, electric vehicles or AI. Or, if you'd rather leave it to the experts, you can choose from a number of ready-made, low-cost IG smart portfolios, each designed and managed for you in line with your preferred risk appetite. All options are available as a tax-efficient ISA, with a SIP account coming very soon. To find out more, go to ig.com investing, remembering that the value of your investments may fall as well as rise, and you may get back less than you deposit. Well, all these test matches, of course, are part of the World Test Championship. And at the moment, looking at the table, Australia are top with a win ratio percentage of 70. South Africa have slipped after losing that series to England to second place uh, with a percentage win at 60. And then, interestingly, Sri Lanka third at 53. India fourth at 52. Pakistan 51 are in fifth place. And England are in seventh now. At 38.6 so uh, that's the, that's their win percentage so in a way although it's been a, a very uh, exhilarating summer of test cricket in England England haven't improved their uh, their position significantly and they're not able now to qualify for that world test championship final next June yeah they've got three games left in, in the world test championship uh, those games in Pakistan uh, that we've been talking about and if even if they won all three we think they can't get their win percentage up to 50 so it's it's going to be uh, in the final Australia South Africa Sri Lanka India or Pakistan South Africa they've got one of their problems is they've got to go to Australia and play three test matches and they could lose all three so that would damage their uh, win percentage but they do play two at home to the West Indies. India look reasonably well placed uh, to me, uh, although they do have to receive Australia for a four test series. You, you think they could bump their win percentage up. As for Sri Lanka, they've only got two tests left to play, both in New Zealand. So if they were to lose those, they generally speaking don't do that well in New Zealand. If they were to lose those, then they would drop down in their win percentage. It's quite difficult because of the percentage point situation it's, things it feels as if things can change uh, quite a lot and and quite quickly as well because everyone's playing against each other so if you know if you won a series 3-0 that would significantly improve your win percentage and significantly damage your opponent's win percentage as Australia will hope to do against uh, South Africa it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame isn't it that England started so poorly in a way because you know they would be right in the mix and it would give sort of added piquancy to the last few months of the World Test Championship if you know extra teams are involved in, in trying to make the final as it stands quite a few teams are still in uh, contention of, of doing so I mean Australia have still got what have they got left? They've still got quite a bit to play. They've got two tests at home against West Indies, three tests at home against South Africa, and four tests away in India. You could, I mean, you could see them winning all five of those tests at home, uh, conceivably against West Indies and South Africa, and then India away. Well, it's not. It's always a, a tough uh, challenge to to go there. What what they could do, of course, uh, Australia is they could almost knock India out of the final if they were to do well in India. So, there's, you know, this, there's a lot to play for. And I think it does mm. create interest in, in, in Test cricket, definitely. Uh, not all series are part of the World Test Championship, which confuses people. 
but it does give a bit more focus uh, to test cricket and um, you know with the prospect of an exciting final uh, next summer I, my money at this stage my, my sort of hunch is still be on an Australia India final yeah and I think that's right or, or and Pakistan Could, yeah. being the outsiders yeah, yeah, really. can... uh, so it's sort of between those three I think I can see South Africa you know slipping further down I mean they're just it, it was quite interesting listening to Dean Elgar and then Mark Boucher talking about uh, in South Africa's batting and there were quite there was quite a gloomy prognosis about it really that they were disappointed in the way they'd approached and, and handled the conditions here and uh, you know yes the conditions are different in England compared to anyone else but it still is you know, some basic flaws were appearing and they weren't very cognizant of how those flaws can be rectified in the short term um, in fact, I mean, all of South Africa's resources seem to be funneled into this new T20 yeah. tournament beginning in January, which is great for the game as a whole in South Africa to revive interest in it and obviously generate uh, interest amongst the townships and things like that and try and find some, some new players. Uh, they've got kind of talent search programs going as well. You know that um, Harris Ralph, who is you know one of the sort of unknown stars of, of the, the Pakistan One Day side, especially, he came through a talent search program, which it was run in Pakistan, and I think there were five hundred thousand entrants to to this you know show or uh, you know program, and he he was the winner, <laughs> and he was unknown before that. And I noticed also as well that uh, haven't Warwickshire um, opened up their Yes, they have. uh, Talent selection programme as well. Rather than uh, sort of trying to identify local talent, they've said, come to us if you think you're good enough. um, Sort of get in touch. Yeah, it's worth, that's quite, that's a good point. I mean, it's it's worth having a look at the Warwickshire website because you can upload videos of yourself batting and bowling, um, showing, showcasing your skills. And that's available to anyone to have a go at. Uh, just go onto the, the the Warwickshire website. Just while we're on, what um, we're talking about South Africa's batting and and that's all the lack of uh, you know, run scoring in this series. Uh, my mind just go back to the last Ashes series. You got someone like David Warner. You know, it's a de- decent class. You know, opening bat for Australia, average what nine? Is it just? Is it just so difficult? I mean, it's easy to be down on on South Africa, but is it just so difficult here? You still got you know you still got Anderson Broad, who are just quality bowlers. Ollie Robinson has you know, last couple of Test matches has really shown his quality as well. And, and there's Ben Stokes. He's at you. He's aggressive. You know, the whole time and these these marathon spells. You know, he's swinging the ball. Uh, I think we should also say you know there is some quality around the pitches and the conditions. It is is damn difficult out there for for batters. Yeah, and funnily enough, I was having a chat yesterday with Vernon Philander, who has done the BBC commentary over the last three tests. And he was a master of making the ball jig and jag around. And I was asking him about his technique and what, what he tried to do, whether he knew which way the ball was going. And he said, well, you know, he fiddles around with the seam and he just held it in different different angles and so on. But he had no idea which way the ball was going to nip. And increasingly, you see the likes of Anderson and Broad and Robinson uh, not really trying to swing the ball very much. I mean, yeah, Anderson still does his, uses a swing at times, but they're using this 
they call, now call wobble seam delivery much more. And the reason being, you can sort of see swing. Swing starts to go from the hand. I mean, some bowlers are better at making it go later than others, Anderson being one. But seam happens off the pitch and you, you've got so little time to react. If it's on a good length, you've got, you know, I don't know, 0.1 of a second to, to be able to react to that ball's movement because it's landing so near to you. And that ultimately makes the job of batting, especially against a new ball with a proud seam in England, unbelievably difficult. It is incredibly difficult. And Ed Smith has said in his book that, you know, the last 12 players who've batted in the top three for England have all averaged about 24 and no one's managed any better than that. And that's partly got to be to do with the conditions. Mm. And, and the skill of the bowlers. You know, the bowlers are learning all the time and applying science to their bowling. So you know, they know forensically where to bowl at a particular batsman. And obviously we've seen six, five and six slips in this series as well. So a tiny error is absolutely pounced on. These bowlers are kept, you know, in cotton wool so they don't play one-day cricket. So they've got fresh bodies and legs and so on, even the likes of Anderson. It is, it's very tough for, for batsmen, I think, opening the batting. Yeah, Jimmy was saying wasn't he, during the Oval Test matches, you know, about his sort of workload and all that. He said, well, it hasn't been that demanding a summer, to, to be honest. You know, he probably hasn't bowled that many overs. Well, certainly hasn't bowled many overs in this series. Hasn't needed to because they've got through it uh, pretty quickly. And it, it, it does look as if uh, Anderson, Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad are going to be back for a Another summer, that's their swan song summer, and uh, next season against Australia. I think we we uh, there were sort of whispers of sort of suggestions, whatever that Stuart Broad you know, might have called it a, a day uh, this summer, but that, that doesn't look as though it's going to happen. Well, I although, think he's having great fun, and, and he knows he's yeah. got David Warner in his sights next year as well, <laughs> potentially. Well, well, possibly if he comes, I suppose. You know, if David Warner comes, I, I presume he will. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe he, he won't. He, if he's seen Broad being picked, he'll decide yeah. not to bother. Yeah. And, you know, he's not going to... It doesn't look as if he's going to go to Pakistan because of the, the birth of his uh, first child. So it, it, there's a p possibility of a couple of test matches in New Zealand in February. Well, then they are... England are going to New Zealand in February, Mount Monganui day-night test match, and then uh, one in Christchurch, and then perhaps... A, a, Have you put down for that one? You loved the Mongan Mount Monganui test match last time, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it was, a great, it was a great occasion, yeah. New Zealand um, taking England down, actually. I, I'm not sure I enjoyed watching B.J. Watling bat for 11 hours. I probably could have done without that. But it was a great, it was a fantastic occasion, actually. Beautiful setting. The sun shone for, for five days. Not sure we can guarantee that, and, I don't know, next next February. You, know, you never know with these things. Yeah, look, I, I get the chance to go. Looking forward to it. Anyway, that, that's what's ahead for England. Three tests against Pakistan, two against New Zealand, and then uh, potentially a test match against Ireland uh, leading into the, the, the Ashes summer. So that's England's uh, test programme ahead before then though yours stacks and stacks and stacks of white ball cricket not least a seven match t20 series between pakistan and england um, which is it feels like it's starting now almost i mean they, they're they off aren't they in uh well i think days time they're, they're heading off to pakistan with this uh, big squad actually of, of 20 players with alex hales added uh, to the squad and uh, what an opportunity that is for him uh, after being in the wilderness uh, for so long. 
Um, Pakistan just lost in the Asia Cup final to Sri Lanka, who were resurgent. We saw Sri Lanka in England last summer, and they looked a pretty ordinary side, but they're just getting themselves uh, together in, in time for the, the T20 World Cup. They actually have to qualify uh, Sri Lanka, come through the qualifying group, and they could play England uh, if they if they win their group, which they should do. They'll end up one of the teams uh, playing England in the, in the T20 a World Cup. So the the game uh, does not stop yours, but you're going to stop, aren't you? You're off on holiday for, a, well, for a, uh, 10 days. Well, I, I, I'm going to try and find a telly somewhere in a Greek island called Sifnos uh, to see if I can watch at least one of those T20 games from Pakistan. I know that sounds sad that I can't completely separate my, myself from cricket, but it's a challenge, actually on an island where it's mm. completely in the middle of the Aegean, whether they've got any coverage of Pakistan against England, but I'll try and find it. So our next podcast will be a review of England's T20 series in Pakistan. I hope you can join us for that. And thanks for listening. And by the way, thanks also to our sponsors for this series, IG. For more information, go to ig.com investing. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.